Join us for Captain's Campaign for Cures. If you plan to attend Vive or Hims this year, get a photo with Captain, our lovable service dog, and we will donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation to find cures for childhood cancer. For every person in the photo, we will donate $1 to Alex's Lemonade Stand. All you have to do is find Captain, grab your friends, take a picture, share it on social media, and put the hashtag Captain Lemonade or This Week Health, and we will make that donation for every person who's in that picture. Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Today on This Week Health. That's why I think Walmart is one of the very few businesses out there that's uniquely positioned already, just because we have brick and mortar already within Everywhere. 10 miles of 90% of the population. Welcome to Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We wanna thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, onto our show. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer at Baptist Memorial Healthcare. And today I'm really excited to have on the podcast, Dr. Claude Hurdle from Walmart. He is the CMIO there. He's a longtime friend of mine and a co-fellow when I was at Vanderbilt. Claude, welcome to the program. Uh, happy to be on and I really appreciate you having me on. So told a little bit of your background, but just share some of your story with the rest of the audience. Sure. Yeah. So I'm internal medicine doc by trade from South Louisiana, went to LSU for everything down there. Undergrad, med school, and then internal medicine residency. Went to Vanderbilt, as you mentioned. I was fellows with you a number of years ago. I went through West Tennessee as CMIO and ACMO of their largest hospital, which is 792-bed hospital. And then I've been at Walmart Health for the past, coming up on 10-ish months since last year as chief medical informatics officer here at Walmart. So very excited. Been a little transition into industry, but still, I think we'll chat a little bit later about some of the pros and cons and the same things that, we, that are the same and a little bit different. Yeah, I really want to hear about that. Some of these CMO roles are, are new in industry. You know, a lot of places had probably had CMOs, especially if they have a healthcare division for a while now. But what does a CMO do at Walmart? And what are the kind of major initiatives that you're involved in? Sure. So, I mean, think about it. Walmart Health is relatively new, especially compared to traditional healthcare. So, the chief medical informatics role at Walmart Health is really a unique role compared to traditional healthcare. I have a lot of lot of experience in traditional healthcare over the past number of years. As I mentioned, grew up in academia. I still play in academia. Working in the nonprofit community-based organization that's West Tennessee for several years. But some of the focuses they're the same, but a little bit different. So, once again, Walmart Health really came about in about 2019. Uh, really pushing to provide that convenient, affordable access to care. So changing the paradigm a little bit, think about it. We are uniquely really positioned to deliver that integrated care across a range of healthcare services. So primary care, urgent care, labs, and something that really sticks out compared to traditional healthcare is dental services, right? And really having that one area, that one place to go, as you can imagine, the local community, most people do shop in our area. And But having the ability to really address the holistic view of the patient. So a lot of work I currently do is a lot of foundational work that you're used to in traditional healthcare that you've done or are doing currently, optimizing workflows, training, focusing on net new openings. So we opened a number of clinics in Florida this year. We have another a number open next year in three different states. 
We want to make the patient's experience seamless and favorable through an easy to navigate website, portal, healthcare experience. Another focus of mine is really provider experience, so reducing burnout. How can we make EpicSR EHR the mm-hmm. best possible vehicle? Really trying to produce, make the documentation and the EHR experience the best possible, as best it can get, I should say. And finally, let's looking at predictive modeling and also really how we can meet the patients where they are, right? So changing that narrative from more of a reactive to a proactive approach and answering that question, how we can better identify the patient's needs and tailor care better to them. So that's kind of the overall scope. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of traditional healthcare stuff, but really kind of thinking out the box on scalability and things like that. And really just trying to, to crisp up those workflows and make it the mm. best experience possible for really everyone, right? Patient, provider, and staff. So I guess very similar to most other places where that are on the Epic EHR, your role is, is still optimization of that. A You're spot on. And we've, we yeah. were, so just to give you a quick background. We switched to Epic mid last year. So we're a pretty, we're net new Epic customer. If you think about it compared to some others, we went from four EHRs to, to Epic. So a lot of that work's being done, you know, finishing the archiving, that's pretty much done, you know, solidifying the workflows, things like that. Gotcha. It's interesting that you're saying that a lot of the patients live in a community with a Walmart. I, I think I heard the statistic was about 90% of the U.S. population lives within, was it 10 miles of a Walmart? Uh, 10 miles. You're exactly right. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So just kind of going into that, if you, it's really 90%. It's right there, right? So 10 miles of a Walmart. And that's why I think Walmart is one of the very few businesses out there that's uniquely positioned already, just because we have brick and mortar already. Within Everywhere. 10 miles of 90% of the population. Yeah. So you, you talked about how it's the same. Tell me a little bit, how is it different than working in a traditional healthcare system or academic medical center? Sure. Kind of going to that. So really scalability, if you think about it. So once again, you actually took my fire a little bit there, Dr. Lancaster. So 90% of that population is within 10 miles of Walmart, right? So that position is a little different if you think outside of what you're used to seeing in the regional setting of like traditional healthcare or, or really city setting, the urban settings. But really our goal and one push I am looking for right now is really the using care everywhere with ethics tools. So care quality, things like that for these interoperability opportunities and with the recent mobilization with TEPCA. So I jump towards that universal interoperability, hopefully. We're in multiple states. So really my goal now is to, well, one of the many, is to try to pull that all together, partnering with different organizations, such as state-based immunizations, data, ADT messages, different groups like that, to pull that patient journey, pull that patient story into one. Because my goal is if you're in Florida or you're in Texas, whatever it is, we're able to see that same record, which you could do. That's why we use one instance of Epic, but really pulling it from other areas too, right? Because we want our providers to have the most information possible and the best information. And really for the patient experience, it's huge. So as mentioned before, we have 40 more locations now, but we're going to be ramping up to 80 at the end of next year and joining three more states. And as you're well aware, it takes a lot of work to integrate into these state immunization databases, yeah. ADT messages, how do you tailor the ADT messages, just doing a lot of background work to create a foundation that's really sturdy for, the, for our organization. Alex's Lemonade Stand was started by my daughter, Alex, in her front yard. By the time she was four, she knew there was more that could be done. And she told us she was going to have a lemonade stand and she wanted to give the money to her doctor so they could help kids like her It was cute, right? She's going to cure cancer with a lemonade stand. Like only a four-year-old would think that. But from day one, it just exceeded anything we could have imagined because people responded so generously to her. 
We are working to give back and are excited to partner with Alex's Lemonade Stand this year. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. At Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation, they understand the personal side of the diagnosis, the resources needed, and the impact that funded research can have for better treatments and more cures. You can get more information about them at alexslemonade.org. We are asking you to join us. You can hit our website. There's a banner at the top and it says Alex's Lemonade Stand there. You can click on that and give money directly to the Lemonade Stand itself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, we're in three states and it's difficult navigating the different telemedicine laws that are coming or are already out there, everything else. I can't imagine being in 50 states. Goodness. How do you keep track of all the different laws and build one instance that satisfies everything? That, that's got to be a big challenge. No, so we, we have a very large legal team and compliance team. And, and I mean, the, the truth is they, it's a large number, I would say 20 plus that basically go over the laws in each state. Because as you, you, you enunciated correctly, I mean, the virtual care laws, which are continuing to change on the federal yeah. level and state level, but also that's just one piece, right? So you have to think about the medical assistance. What can physicians do? What can MPs do? What can, yeah. what, you know, immunizations can, so there's all these laws that are state-based and the complexity just continues to grow. So yeah, no, it, it's we, we definitely have a great thumb on the correct information, but it just takes time to to kind of aggregate it all and really make sure everything's in line. And Epic's been really actually a great partner with us, just because they know that we are in multiple states and it, we're unusual to some degree. But it's been a it's been a good experience. Yeah, I mean, there's a few other I guess organizations that are in all 50 states that may have a similar problem that Epic has probably already worked with on. So it's good. I guess that is already out there. Are there any challenges that are, are different for y'all that I guess that are not there for a traditional healthcare system, even just outside of scale? Is there anything else that's different yeah. because you're in industry? Sure. Yeah. Well, the good news, I don't have to worry about OR workflows as my last position or anesthesia documentation or ER door to doc. What about the door to doc? Time? Well, as an internal medicine resident <laughs> and, and physician, as soon as we can get rid of the surgeons, the better. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the, so, but the point of it is, is the challenges definitely have arisen that are central to our core business providers and the patient. Once again, we're a young system. So, a lot of the things that you may take for granted in traditional healthcare. That in seasoned healthcare systems that are theirs, which are policies or, or whatever workflows and directorships, all these things, we're really creating from net net up, right? So the point is, and that's really good and can be kind of detrimental to some point because we're trying to cover a lot of bases at once and build that structure. So once again, going back to the complexities of the interoperability and obtaining the transferring that data, the appropriate data, really, the correct time about the correct person. Also, peer relationships, once again, going to multiple states, multiple pairs, as you can imagine, the Blue Crosses, that is everyone else is a little different in different states. We're fine-tuning all those to make sure those relationships are crisped up. But probably the most differentiating thing in for us is dental. I don't know of any really true traditional healthcare that I've worked in, I don't know if you have, that have full wow. dental services. So that's a little different of a beast. We have a great DSO, chief dental officer, I should say. Dr. Yu work with her very closely. We use Epic's wisdom module as our backbone for our enterprise. I was going to ask practice. what the was what the Epic yeah. um, QC work is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're continuing to optimize those dental workflow and that patient provider experience, and we're working to really integrate that. Right, because if you think we, it's hard, 
especially working in academia, you really don't integrate dentistry without OMFS. That's a different beast, of course. Mm-hmm. But what does that look like with the patient experience? How do we combine those? How do we really make it the best possible opportunity for the patient? So, yeah, no, that is really unique. I, I don't know of another system that is incorporating dental anywhere, especially in their EHR. I guess since Epic has a, a module for it, somebody's doing it, but. Yeah, it is new. I mean, it was brand new. I, I was like, wisdom, of course. So, but yeah, there's only a handful is my understanding. It's once again, it's very new. I'd say the last few years it came out. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're having to stand up different things. Does that include governance or any optimization changes and things of that nature? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of governance structure. So kind of your bread and butter stuff, your decision support, your evidence-based medicine groups, things like that. So we're trying to really build all these up because going through all the BPAs, which are best practice advisories, sorry, industry agnostic here. But the thing is, is really fine tuning these structures. There's a number of other things with formulary reviews and things like that. Because once again, I mean, we're on one epic instance. However, we're in multiple states, right? So we have to have some type of conduit to understand hey, this is working really well in Florida because we want to know everything that's working well or ideas and really percolate those across the enterprise, right? And make it the best possible experience. So we do, those things are set up, but we're just kind of fine-tuning those on cadences and who's who needs to be there and things like that. And I mean, it, it's a new experience, but I think we're definitely getting there and it's gotten tons better. But to answer your question directly, yep, definitely a lot of governance structures being set up and, and really ultimately just making sure we're doing in the right direction. So assume you have a bunch of, physicians or advanced practice providers that join these and are helping you out with optimization? You're spot on. Yeah. So at at every point, I want that feedback, right? I think you know well where I probably get my phone number out way to too many many people, but which is good and bad. But the thing is, I want that transparency. I want that feedback. I'd rather know quickly. So, hey, look, if there's an order missing in Epic or the synonym's not there in Epic, whatever it is, just to make that as easy as possible for the physician or the NPPA, because that's not their job, right? We're trying, your and I's job is to make Epic their experience as best as possible. I don't want them to have to think about, I'm looking for a knee MRI. I don't, they don't need to type that exactly in. I want that's like, is it lower extremity? Is it whatever that is to make it a little bit easier? And that's just one example. But to answer your question, yeah, absolutely. We, we, I keep governance with MPs, PAs, MDs, whoever it is, DOs on those groups, mainly because I want their buy-in. Number two, it's also a socialization factor. So once that governance group's created, it's approved, they can bring that back to their clinics and also help socialize. So Nice. Well, I've learned a lot about what Walmart Health is doing. What can you tell me about the future of Walmart Health and from an informatics perspective, I guess? Well, uh, I think chat a little bit about what states we're in, but we're moving to a few other states. We're really focusing on our core culture right now in our communities. So we're a people-led, tech-powered, omnichannel retailer dedicated to helping those people save money and really live better, right? So that's our motto, live better. And I think we're we're focusing more on live better piece with Walmart Health for obvious reasons, but really providing that frictionless experience to the patients so they can get that high-quality care. And the goal is really anywhere, and that's really meeting them where they want to be. So we take the omnichannel approach to create an opportunity for the patients to access that great care through whatever medium he or she wants. It's pushing to meet virtually at home, at the office, whichever it is. And I think informatics is really that silent partner in the background, right? So no one really knows what we do, but we do a lot of work and that's good, right? So if if, if they don't know who we are, that's a good thing in my mind, because that means it's running extremely well, it's frictionless, and they're really getting their needs taken care of. So really, I think to answer your question directly, it's the next step is really pushing, solidifying what we have now and really pushing to the next step in those other three states the next year. It's all very exciting. 
Well, thank you, Claude. It's always good catching up with you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of This Week in Health IT. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, Jake. Gosh, I really love this show. I love hearing what workers and leaders on the front lines are doing. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. If you want to support This Week Health, the best way to do that is to let someone else know about our channels. Let them know you're listening to it and you are getting value. We have two channels, This Week Health Conference and This Week Health Newsroom. You can check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find them on our website, thisweekhealth.com, and you can subscribe there as well. We also want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.